0: No. You're listening to the Gator Sports Podcast with your host, Zach Verdi, Coming in hot. And Graham Hall. It's jumping. Coming smooth. Jumping. And the basket's gets Jumping. Brought to you by the Gainesville Sun and Gatorsports.com. Welcome into the latest Skater Sports Podcast presented by the Gainesville Sun. I'm your host, Zach Albaverde. Joined to my right by my co-host, Graham Hall. We got some recruiting to discuss this week. We'll play you an interview with Julian Humphrey. And we are also going to recap the 2020-2021 athletic season for the Florida Gators. Graham, we're going to give them some debate
1: today, right? We are. It's going to get a little bit, I don't want to say argumentative, but... It might get heated. You have to debate these. I mean, some of these come down to personal preference do you care about records more are your personal preferences gonna look at how you rank the list i mean are you a football guy basketball guy that's definitely gonna come into it here and you know i'm just gonna say this right now i've got my own number one i you read me your list earlier I got to tell you, mine's a little bit different than yours at the top, although I do respect yours, but we'll get into that a little bit later here.
0: We will get into that, and we are going to get into name, image, and likeness now because you heard uh, me mention that I'm going to play an interview with Julian Humphrey the highest-rated pledge in Florida's 2022 class. He was on campus last weekend making an official visit, one of seven out-of-state visitors, four guys from Texas and three from Georgia. And he was in town certainly with his recruiting cap on and had some good things to say about the Gators that really didn't make it into my story, uh, which you'll hear in this interview from him. But what I focused my piece on, Graham, was NIL and why it was such a big deal for him and what the Gators have done to really sell him on being able to brand himself at the next level and that they're kind of the perfect school to set him up for success with the social media following and really savvy smarts that he has Hmm. when it comes to already creating a logo for himself. And that's what got this conversation started. Uh, But if you didn't see the story this week at Gatorsports.com, Florida's top-rated pledge, Julian Humphrey, is not just a elite recruit. He's an elite social media star. This kid has 1.3 million followers on TikTok. I had to double-take when I saw it myself, Graham. I don't get that. Are you on TikTok? Absolutely not. I'm not on
1: TikTok. So we're I feel m- old. We're missing out. I'm on most of the platforms. I got a Snapchat, dude. I'm 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 barely on Facebook. I'm barely on Instagram, and people are on YouTube, TikTok, making stuff for platforms I haven't even heard about. It's impressive. So I mean, at that kid, age, I was working in a pizza shop, man, not I making know. graphics and videos for 1.3 million people. Exactly.
0: We we're just trying to figure out what our first job was going to be. This guy's already got it mapped out, and it was very impressive to talk to him just about what he's trying to do to take advantage of what's about to go into effect July 1st in the state of Florida and in a handful of other states that are growing
1: by the day. I can't keep up with them. It seems a new one pops up every single minute copying it'll, what's already been done. It'll be interesting to see where things are at. But between his TikTok following,
0: which he, if you don't know, with name, image, and likeness, he can earn endorsements from that. And it's that's just one of five... They call it the Big Five, social media platforms that you can earn endorsements from if you're a student athlete. You got TikTok, you got Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, and Snapchat. Those are the platforms where they can monetize their followings and actually get some endorsements. And then obviously you have off-the-field things like autograph signings and, and different sponsorship deals that they can do, but you can also sell merchandise, right? You can brand yourself and Make an online store where you sell your own hats and shirts and hoodies. And that's what Humphrey has already figured out for himself. And three months ago, he sat down with his parents and created a logo based off of his nickname and the reference to a lockdown corner being on an island. And the logo and the shirt says Julio Island. It's a very nice logo. I definitely gave him props on it. But he's already predicting and hoping and planning that when he gets to UF and he's playing for DBU and he's starting as a corner at at some point in his career, that if he makes a big play and gets on Sports Center, he's got a chance to sell some merch online. Not only that, his TikTok following will only continue to go through the roof, and every post that he generates is going to be able to uh, get him paid. What do you think, Grandma, about seeing an athlete already kind of figuring this out in Florida? having some plans in place to facilitate this
1: it's very ahead of the curve I I think that at this age to be thinking about this down the line and actively taking steps is (laughs) incredibly unique I mean most people when they are arriving in college and and student athletes especially football players not saying they're more so than other athletes but they kind of have to be ready to play from year one and that means you can't be figuring out your major (laughs) waiting around I mean That's your time right then when you arrive. And knowing that this has been on the horizon, it would kind of be a disservice to yourself if you weren't actively preparing for it, if that's something that you cared about. Now, we know that every athlete that comes to these doors is just not going to necessarily care about NIL. But moving forward, if that's something that you do care about, you now have the steps and the tools at your disposal. And obviously, for, for Julian, I'm sure that what he wanted to see... Was what Florida could do to help him on the strong, strong start that he's already, you know, <laughs> got off to here. I'm sure that resources that they have at the Hevner Complex, uh, at, at Farrier Hall, at you know, the, obviously the stadium, in the locker rooms. He wants to know if he can, you know, film videos at places like that. I'm sure that's stuff that he had questions for this coaching staff.
0: Yeah, and also I think it was interesting to hear how he was. Uh, really impressed and I think felt just safeguarded by the fact that they're going to have advisors there that every deal that comes through for these athletes they're going to be able to look at make sure that it's not something that's going to harm them that's going to hurt their brand that is something that could get them scammed and to be able to to know that that's there uh, but also that they're going to also create more opportunities for him than what he already has Uh, it was just interesting to already hear that within the first two weeks it's Starting to make its impact and hasn't even gone into effect yet. And you look at where he's coming from in the state of Texas; they're going to be able to have NIL there, but they it looks like are just getting this pass right at the finish line. They don't; are, they're not already, you know, a step ahead of the curve like Florida is. And I think that that's something that someone like. Humphrey recognizes, uh, as is the case with some of the other schools that's offering him. I mean, he's got a lot of uh, options and opportunities to go elsewhere if he wants, but he feels like being at Florida, working with their resources from a branding standpoint, and then being at that DBU school with that tradition and being a corner, he just feels like it's the perfect match for what he's trying to do. and. He's probably right if he's going to come and actually live up to expectations.
1: Yeah, I, I would assume so. I mean, the DBU moniker, that's something that you could easily, it looks like. Think about all the DBs that could have made money. Yeah, Didn't Vernon Hargraves have Tees a logo? Tabor. I mean, they had logos, I'm sure. They had t-shirts. Tees Maybe Tabor would have made a killing. Absolutely. I mean, could Quincy Wilson have got a... a Ducks Can't Pull Trucks shirt. I, um, I he, mean, think about the merch that would have got sold off of that first week. Oh, man. Right? I would have gone crazy about it. Absolutely. And and they could have done so many other opportunities for players. I, we, we could go into them. But that's really also what I'm interested in, that we really, I know we talk about players and, and Congress a few weeks ago, everyone on the forefront here in a sense, but I've been really interested in kind of what you just said, the behind the scenes work that has really been going on for the past few months. I really don't think many programs can pass legislation within the final. Obviously, I'm no expert here, but in the final deadline leading up to this, wanting to be done by July 1st and give those universities a reasonable chance to have something together to present to athletes in the next week, that just doesn't seem super feasible to me right now. I mean, Scott Strickland, Florida's athletic director has talked repeatedly throughout the spring about steps that they were making behind the scenes. As you mentioned, people who could look over deals. This is something that Florida has spent some investment in. They've invested in the resources behind the scenes so that when athletes come here, with NIL in effect, they actually have some legitimate answers because this is uncharted territory. There's a lot of people who don't know exactly how this is going to work and having anyone who seems to have any type of grapple on it is going to be really a a sigh of relief for everyone involved at the time when that happens. It's becoming more and more clear to me, Zach, that Congress is not going to pass NIL at the federal level. So you have to really pick and choose the state and look at each situation and see how long they have to be preparing for this, and Florida's been doing it for months. So I could clearly see why Humphrey is uh, looking at this as a a positive right now.
0: Yeah, and it's funny because obviously there's a lot of things if you're programmed to try and sell to student-athletes, and you know, from an SEC standpoint and from football, we all know that it's about wins and losses and championships, and then also fancy football facilities, and all the other different amenities and traditions, what have you. Well, this is another thing that you can add to the bucket list, that if, if, if you are well-positioned to be able to help a player like this uh, market himself, you're going to have be in a better position to land that prospect. And I think we're just going to see it become bigger and more prevalent, and, and Florida is already set up for success. And it was cool to hear Humphrey uh, talk about all this. You'll hear that interview uh, here in a moment. I do want to mention that, You know, Wrapping up the first half of June, he was one of seven official visitors that weekend and then 11 for the week. So that put them at 24 official visitors for the first two weeks of June. That's the best two-week stretch that they've had under Dan Mullen since he's been here in his fourth year. The only thing that comes close is in the 2019 cycle. They had 20 guys visit in a span of two weeks during December 2018, including the nation's number one recruit. K1 Thibodeau. But you're not going to see any commitments right now, as we talked about last week, because especially from some of the highly rated guys, but to make this type of splash, to be able to sell NIL first and before some of the other schools, uh, I think this is going to pay dividends when we look back, you know, months down the road to see how this 22 class plays out. So, uh, it was very impressive. You'll hear Humphrey talk about his visit uh, now as, as we go through this break. But before we do that, Graham, real quick, we mentioned some of the former players that could have capitalized on NIL. Who would you say is your pick for the guy that's going to be able to capitalize on it the most
1: this year on the current Florida football team? Man, that's kind of a tough one. I I would hope that it, they also have been kind of planning this out, yes. getting those social media accounts in order. And going through a quick perusal of them earlier, I mean, I, I went through Instagram. Jacob Copeland has, you know, 55,000 followers and
0: 33,000
1: on Twitter. That's, so that's, that's a, insane. That's, that's got to be chunk. one of them. But I'm going to go with Princely Uman Milan. All because right. Because. Y'all heard that. He got it right. Because I hope I got it right. If I didn't, hit me up. Let me know how to say it. But. He's got the YouTube going, man. And and just even saying that, I kind of sound like an old man saying that, but man, YouTube is so hard to break into. It you, is. It takes... Obviously, you have to have a, a name that people know, whether it's through some other platform. And for Princely, it's being a student athlete. So oh,
0: And it was being as a recruit
1: that he built his platform where it really got big. So just like Absolutely. Humphrey. And we, we recently, as recent as a couple years ago... We've seen the NCAA crack down on current players who have monetized their YouTube's YouTube account. Yeah. If you don't know, if the video goes over eight minutes, you can get ads. And if you have ads as a student athlete, that's apparently an NCAA violation, or at least it was. Now, July first, you'll be able to make money off YouTube, and someone like Princely, who already has what thirteen and a half thousand followers, and and. A, a, a vibrant Twitter account yeah, and having it all work together in sync. I haven't even looked at his Instagram. That could be someone who, you know, goes back to YouTube. I could easily see that.
0: Yeah. I mean, you look at his last uh, post that he had, it's a vlog from Florida's spring game that nobody got to see. You can go watch that. It's over seven minutes. I missed that. I need got that. Got 22,000 views, and then he's got a vlog from the Florida-Georgia game uh, that's thir- over 13 minutes, got 30,000 views. And I think his his highest-viewed video um, on YouTube is him showing off his football gear from when he arrived as a freshman.
1: 226,000 views. He gets it. That's the behind-the-scenes stuff that people crave, that yes. they need to know.
0: And again, he was already doing this when uh, you know, he's got a video about why he chose Florida over other schools. I mean, he's he's really uh, figured out how to market himself before this even started. I'm going to go with probably an easy pick, but I think it's no doubt that he's going to be able to take advantage of this, and we're going to stick with that DBU talk, and I'm going to go Kyrie Elam. Oh, yeah. Not just because he's one of the best returning players and will probably... Uh, be a guy that goes first round this year, earns potentially first-team All-SCC selection again. But you're looking at someone who has the name and the backing and the family and the father that's going to know how to take advantage of NIL and market himself and his name, especially potentially getting ready for the NFL draft if he has a good enough junior season. So I really think that Kyer Elam with his dad, Abe Elam, and certainly knowing what his uncle Matt Elon went through as well at the professional level and with marketing and all that stuff. I think that he's a guy that's going to make some smart decisions and and put himself in position to even make his brand grow more before he potentially gets ready for a jump to the NFL. We're going to jump to this break. When we come back on the other side, we're going to play you the interview as promised with Julian Humphrey. I basically just wrote about his TikTok account and how he's about to make a killing off of that with NIL, but, On this interview, you will get the full talk about what he liked in Gainesville, his time with the coaches. And the first question that he answers is me asking about Kyrie Elam, who was his official host, and how that was, what he thought about him, and what his message to him was in Gainesville. We'll be right back after this break.
2: I had um what do you think about Caillou? Caillou, he's a cool guy he's a cool cool guy very laid back. What was his message to you he was um the, the his message to me was was um uh, really just like whenever we get to college stay focused and like always do extra and like don't worry about like, like. Don't worry about like in the game. If you mess up one time, don't say, "Oh man, see, that's that's my draft talking. I can't go to the league no more." He was saying, "Just play, and it's going it's all, all gonna to come together." So, did this trip confirm your decision? Yes, sir. yeah, confirm my decision, yeah. How so? Well, as soon as I still foot in the building, all the coaches showing mad love, and then like, I mean, it's it's DBUs right here in Florida, and and plus Florida was the what, what's the school that was like recruiting me the hardest, yeah. them in Texas and in Penn State. In terms of your other that you've done so far this month, what made this one different? I mean, this one is different because, you like, it's in Florida, and, like, it's in the swamp. It's, like, you can't beat that. And, plus, like, they produce really, really good DVs. It's, like, it's different from Texas, but, like, I already feel home so what's the conversation been like with the florida coaches about
0: how you're going to handle your recruitment being committed but still getting offers and wanting to take yeah
2: well they were just saying like um you know it's, it's all a game that coaches play like if i know deep down inside where i want to go that that's where i want to go so like and i know where i want to go so how did it feel to get the Bama offer i mean you know it's you know it's like every kid's dream offer. Yeah. but like i mean when i got it i was like oh okay because like this Nick Saban telling me in my face that he wants me and that, like, I'll play my game after Patrick Sertan. I mean, I was like, whoa. Like, I, I didn't know that he, like, started me like that. But, like, I mean, it didn't it, it, it like, oh, my gosh, dang, I want to go there now. Nah, I ain't yeah. do that. And is it because, like you said, Florida had been on you for so long? Yeah, just, for, yeah, Florida has been on me. I've been talking to Coach Mullen and Coach Jules almost every single day. Face out on i know, getting to know him and everything. It was great. Coach Jules hanging out with him in person was amaz- amazing like he the same way on the phone <laughs> funny guy he knows what he's doing and like he has like tons of experience he was so he would go on my film and he would play one of my plays and then like he'll relate it to one of his plays I gotta ask you about this man talk to me about the logo okay. you Allen. who God, yeah no. I mean, the Julio Island, is, is kind of like... I mean, it, it was like... At first, it, it was like a big thing, but now it's a big thing. It's like Julio Island. Julio, my nickname. Yeah, I mean, like... And Island, DB. DB. But so, when did you come up with this logo? My, um, Me and my parents designed it, and then we just thought of it, was like, okay, we're going to go with it. How long ago was it, you think, as well? Um, this is like, what, three months ago? It design. Yeah. When you came up with it, were you thinking name, image, and likeness? Yeah, for sure. Because... If I have if I have over a million uh, like people watching me every single day, I can for sure put this out. What did Florida
0: say to you about name, image, and likeness, and being able to take advantage of something like that?
2: They were saying that um, they're going to be the first school to um, to be allowed to have it, and, um, and he was saying that they got they got people like they got um, advisors to like help you, like if people want to give you like a contract or something with like Jordan or Nike or Adidas it would go through them just to make sure that that is real. You won't get scammed.
0: Good stuff there from Julian and props to him for already uh, putting himself in position to be able to uh, monetize his brand. And uh, look, if you guys see him get to Gainesville make some plays, make sure you go online and, and purchase some of that Julio Island merch. Absolutely. You know, that's uh You definitely want to support him in his endeavors and already being an entrepreneur before he gets to college. So, uh, look, the college season for all these UF athletic sports teams has wrapped up for the 2020 and 2021 athletic year. It's over now after the outdoor uh, championships, and uh, it's time to look back, Graham. There's a story coming out for uh, Gatorsports.com that's looking at the top 10 moments... Of the athletic year for the Gators. And I already know for folks that read it and might have already saw it before they listened to this pod, they might have a problem with my list. But I'm gonna tell you something, Graham. Uh oh. You know who won't have a problem with my list? Who is that? Steve Spurrier. Who else matters? But you know why? Because that man emphasizes championships, hmm. stats are for losers. Wow. And I'm not taking away from any individual accomplishments, which we're about to discuss. But at the end of the day, it's about winning national titles and those SEC titles, which he loved. Mm -hmm. They were more special to him than those national titles, Graham. (laughs) Right? They were. So as I judged and tried to put together a top 10, I did so as only the ambassador would. By awarding and recognizing national champions and sec champions, so if you're going to this list and looking for some football players in the top five,
1: sorry, folks, you're not going to find them. And if you got a problem with Zach, you got a problem with the headball coach, and you probably got a problem with Graham too because I don't think Most he likely. disagrees with this list. I don't, but I, I, you're number one. There may be a little debate here between you and me. And we'll get nah, to that. Well, okay, we'll, we'll, uh, we'll get to that. And Spurrier will
0: be tied back into it. But at number Uh-oh. 10, I put men's swimming and diving, winning the SEC championship. Their ninth consecutive and 42nd overall conference title.
1: Domination, right? Yeah, and that, that type of continuity, you have to mention it because they had a head coaching change in there. Greg Troy, the legendary, retired several years ago and the program in new hands. So incredible that they've been able to maintain that level of performance. Yeah, Smith was named the
0: SEC Men's Swimmer of the Meat. He won the Commissioner's Trophy and the Gators took home the championship with 15 medals, including eight gold medals. Uh, Bobby Fink won uh, the free, the 1650 free for the third consecutive year the second fastest time in american history so look that's gonna get you on this list you know how
1: fast that is Zach? that's look I'm, I'm a former swimmer yeah. so i know okay so look, two years ago i went out to the olympic pool at west side park and it took me 10 minutes to swim 400 meters and i'm not in great shape but to swim four times that in 14 minutes dolphin-esque
0: yes that's that's pretty impressive So that was definitely making this list. Look, if you won an SEC title or you won a national championship, you were automatically making the top 10. So and I think we're going to school some folks maybe on how incredible some of those championships were. At number nine, I had Jacob Young for his 30-game hitting streak. Now, that's not an SEC title or a national championship, but it broke a 21-year-old school record. And it's... Something that you don't see, and this spanned over more than two years. The total days were 648, and to be that consistent over that long of a span of time is impressive. And you know, to to credit uh, the men swimming and diving, you know, they've won nine straight SEC titles, and they've won 42 overall. So them winning the SEC again while it's making this list, it's not as unique or as as special of a moment maybe as as Jacob Young breaking the record for that hitting streak. And I, I think Graham, you were there
1: yeah, for that game. It was incredible. And I, I I keep thinking about this just because of how peculiar it, it was. But you will never ever I guarantee this see another thirty one game hitting streak that needs three seasons to get it done. I mean. Young started at the very end of that 2018 19 season, and then the 2020 season, Florida lasts 17 games, and then he picks it right back up in the 2021 season. I mean, absolutely incredible. That's longer than some players' entire collegiate careers. Yeah. So <laughs> you'll never see that again. I just, that still shocks me. Yeah. And we'll have some other
0: individual performances, obviously, on here that we'll recognize. Uh, number eight, I put the softball walk-off to win the SEC. Oh, yes. And we talked about that earlier, obviously a disappointing end to the postseason, but as Tim Walton said, anytime you add another number to that wall and you win the SEC, it's a special season, and it's something that you're going to remember. And for them to do it in the fashion that they did, one of their 12 comeback victories and seven walk-off wins in 2021, and that was the second one against the Aggies in that series, and By beating them, they became the only SEC team to win all eight of their conference series last season. So that was impressive, and for Julia Cottrell to do it with that two-run homer, uh, it was was a really cool scene there at uh, KSP.
1: Yeah, it was. We talked often about how resilient this Florida softball team was all season long, and that included coming up with clutch hits, when they needed it most because they never lost back-to-back games until their season wasn't on the line and unfortunately it caught up to them but we saw repeatedly this year how special this team was and I don't think you saw a better one of those seven walk-offs wow uh, than that one
0: yeah I mean it, so I think obviously for, for that to happen that that's always going to stand out that was one of the top moments but again like swimming
1: the softball team wins SEC titles it's methodical on right the regular. Like, and I hate to even Say that in a or sense. downplay it, because yeah. like if and no offense to this team, but if like the Florida women's basketball team won the SEC title, they would
0: be way up. They would be on this top list. five,
1: and and because you have to put the context of the program. Because we're in talking the about moments. Yeah, this,
0: this was a moments list, and that's why I have Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts and their individual achievements mm. ahead of what the softball team accomplished as a team. Now, again, you could make the argument that both the men swimming and diving and the softball team deserve to be ahead of Jacob Young, Kyle Trask, and Kyle Pitts, but we can have that debate. I put Kyle Trask at number 7 for breaking Rex Grossman and Danny Warfel's records and just being the best quarterback since Tim Tebow that Ford has had. Yeah, the first Heisman
1: one. I mean, you have to mention that.
0: I mean, it was obviously incredible for him to uh, reach that feat, to be a Heisman finalist, but to uh, set the single season school records for passing yards and touchdowns that led the FBS to have the 400 yard games that he did, the only quarterback in school history to have three uh, in one season. He threw for 474 yards twice. During the 2020 campaign, uh, just uh, the only person that he's behind was Tim Tebow for the best uh, single game mark. So just an incredible year from Kyle Tratz. He also set the SEC record uh, with six straight four touchdown games to start the season. So um, that certainly was a top moment.
1: I know that there are some people who are going to take issue with this one. I mean, football-focused Florida fans are abundant. I'm not trying to... I'm just calling it like it is and I think that anytime you get included in the talks of Rex Grossman, Danny Warfel, Tim Tebow and break two of those records in the same season many people will say you have a chance to have an argument as a top five Florida Gators quarterback of all time but unfortunately for me this this is, is where this
0: is about the athletic program's entire sports year that, that's important
1: to that note. that absolutely that absolutely but I think that even so because we are fresh off the year it's still in everyone's minds it's worth reminding everyone that defenses across the board were down last year due to the pandemic due to the lack of live tackling due to the no spring no summer so I think that you look at the other quarterbacks that Trask was competing with Many people saw inflated statistics across the board. Hmm. And so maybe that kind of just nullifies the accomplishment a little bit. Hopefully in 10 years from now, when we're a little bit removed from now, revisionists will say, hey, that's a really good record. It's still standing the test of time and we will reflect a little bit on it better. But my gut tells me in the next five years, hot take here, we see one of those two records broken.
0: And if that happens, that's probably going to be under a Dan Mullen offense. So uh, that that wouldn't be something Florida fans would be mad about. I, I would hope not. Uh, but look, I mean, at the end of the day, I think if you ask a lot of Florida fans, they might put the win over Georgia as their number one sports moment for the year. So it, I get it. It should be in some but lists. we at, the, at Gatorsports.com, we're not going to show favoritism to football when it comes to make, making this list. And again, judging it off of the criteria that that we set, uh, we put Kyle Pitts' incredible season, which culminated in the John Mackey Award at number 6. Obviously, what else can we say about the guy? First ever tight end to also be finalist for the Belindicoff Award, led all FBS tight ends with 770 receiving yards, did have 12 touchdowns, which didn't... Uh, lead all tight ends it was tied for first nationally with uh, Isaac Rex from BYU but obviously for what he did from a Florida standpoint the school record for career receiving yards and then he had the second highest touchdown total by a tight end in SEC history so again from an individual standpoint incredible what can
1: you say and he did all that well missing 10 quarters that true led the league still massive an accomplishment which makes sense to me putting it above trask because i don't think we will see a kyle pitts-esque talent come through and break those records in the next five years and
0: also pitts took home the award for the best tight end and it obviously wasn't even unanimous that trask was the best quarterback last year because he didn't win uh the davy o'brien award and again that speaks to your point mac mac jones who won the award he ended up leading the nation in passing yards now he played more games than kyle did uh But, look, the reason why I don't have Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts in the top five here is because as incredible as their individual performances were, they did not result in a championship. Boom. End of story. And, you know, you can look at it and slice it however you want to, but the way that I put this list together is – if you won that SEC title or you won that national championship, uh, that moment mattered more. And I think that Scott Strickland would probably agree with me. Uh, at number five, I got UF Jim winning the SEC title with Trinity Thomas's two10s. And I'm explain how significant that was to have two 10s in a meet because it's as exclusive as some of the achievements that Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts had. She's just the second Gator gymnast in school history with two 10s in a single meet. And she was the only gymnast last year in the nation that had perfect marks in two events. And her contributions not only helped Florida clinch the SEC title, their third straight but she was also a part of the balance beam team that set a school record with a score of 49.70. So obviously her individual achievements here, but also the fact that they resulted in an SEC title is for me why I got her in the top five.
1: Yeah, I'm with you there. I don't think we'll see two tens in a meet for a long time let alone one that would result in the nation's highest score and have postseason implications and clinch the sec title all in one. I mean, talk about stepping up in the moment and huge of Trinity Thomas. It really kind of reminds me though, that was really the last we saw of a healthy Trinity Thomas. And when Florida was so good with her in the lineup, that was how good they can be. And and that's how I think a lot of Florida fans are going to remember this past season, how dominant the Gators were between January and the end of February yeah. there when they were at full strength.
0: But obviously, look, Gators' gym didn't end the season the way that they wanted. Florida softball didn't end the season the way that they wanted. But guess what? So did uh, football. They didn't end their year on a high note. And obviously, I think if Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts lead the Gators to an SEC championship victory over Alabama... They're ahead of Trinity Thomas and the gym team on this list because they win the SEC title so often. Now, I think her individual performance coupled with the championship is what put them over the top for me. Now, no matter what would have happened with the football team in the SEC title game, it still wouldn't have trumped a national title. And that's what earns the number four spot. Florida sprinter Joseph Boulet won his first NCAA title in the 200 meters, and uh, it was a pretty, pretty significant win for him. He had the eighth fastest time in collegiate history uh, with a 19.91 second mark. It was the second fastest time in school history and the sixth fastest time in the world in 2021. So, uh, look, <laughs> that speaks for itself. I mean, it, it's amazing Their SID told me that if he would have been a little bit older, he could have broken the record set by Usain Bolt at the collegiate level. I mean, that's that's how ridiculous this 200-meter time was. And for him to take home and SEC title, and for him to also run uh, the 100 meter as well to give the Gators their first set of points uh, at the Outdoor Track and Field Championships, UF plays fourth overall. But for him to win the individual title, a national title, Graham,
1: that's, that's fourth on my list. And just as a redshirt freshman, I mean, he has a chance to, after this moment, add to it, pad his legacy. I mean, this is someone that I think Florida fans should start to recognize I mean know his name this is a huge accomplishment a top 10 record as a redshirt freshman I mean theoretically he could continue to improve this is tremendous accomplishment and I'm, I'm glad that we're kind of shining a light on it and right again now.
0: second best time in school history so we're talking about you know Trinity Thomas being this only the second gymnast with two tens you look at Kyle Trask and Kyle Pitts some of the things that they were able to do being only the second player I mean again it, it's all about perspective but for me being a national champion is what puts you over the top. Absolutely. And that's why I got Sam Reifus at number three winning uh, the first singles title since 1999. Uh, Really broke a long streak there for the Gators in more than 20 years. And uh, he did it in upset fashion uh, by beating uh, South Carolina's Daniel Rodriguez and he uh, upset the number one and number two seeded players in consecutive days to win that title. And uh, just the third singles title
1: in UF history. And, and it think, was
0: coming off that stretch. Yeah, that you I was mentioned. about to
1: say, I think he did it off pretty tired legs here. I mean, what Florida tennis did this year. I, fantastic shout out to him also had a chance to do it in his hometown being an orlando native in front of some friends and family i mean that's a great accomplishment uh i I think that anyone can just enjoy that story there were a lot of moments there with the florida tennis team but obviously i don't want to spoil them all
0: yeah no doubt so shout out to sam and uh you know i could have given him the number two spot but i felt like what thomas Mardal accomplished and i think this is one of the the names and the accomplishments here that might Inform some of you guys I mean I know that he had won A national championship I didn't realize How significant It was And it wasn't just one But two National championships His first ever Indoors First ever outdoors That he took home And Became the third best Weight thrower In collegiate history At the NCAA Indoor championships And he Became The first Athlete In indoor history And just the second in collegiate history to have at least two throws of 80 feet or further in the same meet. And then this month, he capped off his college career by getting his first outdoors NCAA title with a throw of 76.74 meters. And if you don't know how long that is, that's 251 feet, folks and nine inches, if we're being exact. He broke his own school record for the third time, and it was the sixth best performance in NCAA Outdoor Championships history. That's why he's number two on this list and not Kyle Pitts or Kyle Trask. No disrespect to
1: those guys. If you do anything that's never been done before (laughs) in your sport, I think that it's kind of like a prerequisite that you're at the top or near the very top of whatever ranking that's going to include you. I mean... Absolutely fantastic job by Thomas. You know, I kind of have a little bit of regret right now because we try and talk as many quote-unquote small sports in the pod as we can every single week, but there's so many accomplishments in Gator Nation that we can't even mention. And they're not small on this list. Absolutely not. I mean, you have someone absolutely dominating. I looked up some of his videos just to prepare to talk about this a little bit, and I kind of my mouth dropped a little (laughs) bit. Like, I didn't think some of that stuff was... Humanly possible. Have I mean, you ever tried to throw like a medicine ball? I, I it drops like five feet in front of you. I mean, we're talking a guy being able to throw two hundred and fifty, what three feet? That's insane. It's yeah. insane to me. I mean, shout out to him. Huge accomplishment. Fantastic career. And the only reason why I don't have him at number one
0: is because I think that winning a national championship as a team means a little bit more. I think it's a bigger moment for the program, that specific program, uh, also the school overall. But why this one meant more is because it was the first one ever. And your first national title is always sweet, and it's always a special moment. And I think Spurrier would agree with me here to put them number one on this list. I know, Graham, you're going to have someone else, but that's why I put the Gators here. Uh, winning their first ever national championship, 4-1 victory over Baylor. And they you know, lost the doubles point, but then they dominated singles play. Brian Shelton became the first coach to win a national title in men's and women's college tennis. And uh, that was the 42nd national title for UF Athletics. So uh, just an incredible moment. We, we recapped it on the show, but like I said, some Florida fans would put that win over Georgia number one on this list or or maybe some of those moments from Trask and Pitts. But at the end of the day, you do something like this and win your first ever national championship. It deserves the top spot in my book.
1: Well, obviously my number one is getting Demarcus Bowman from the transfer portal. (laughs) No, I waver between the Florida men's tennis team and Thomas for number one what I thought just because of I mean capping off your career the way you do that yeah. I thought that was tremendous but the more there's I thought an about argument it, there it. absolutely is I, I do still stand by that but the more I thought about it I'm with you with the men's tennis team I thought it'd be more of an argument here but I was thinking about this more as we talked and I don't even think you fully went into the over emotion of it.
0: Yeah, because like when he when Thomas wins it, it's just him celebrating obviously as his teammates, but when they win a championship as a tennis team, that's everyone. But then
1: the Brian and the Ben connection of the father and son, the son, Ben Shelton clutching out the final point to win the championship and make his father, put his father in esteemed company, the only Division 1 coach to win men's and women's tennis championships. Exclusive. I mean, Dude, this is Hollywood-esque I, I better see some type of movie about this I don't know if tennis movies Are like a massive thing or not But they absolutely should be I saw the one McEnroe v. Borg a few years ago It's on HBO, check it out if you haven't Make some tennis movies I would absolutely watch this It's a fantastic story Shout out to Florida for what they did Shout out to Sam Reifus for turning around with tired legs And then winning a national championship uh, Of his own in the individual singles Huge year for this men's tennis team
0: It was, and that's why they own uh, two of the top three spots. And that was our list at Gatorsports.com, and truly Gatorsports.com, because we gave props to every single one of them. You might not like the lists. You might not disagree with all the rankings. You might have some lower or higher. uh, But at the end of the day, no matter what, all these teams and these individual athletes uh, made the orange and blue proud, and I think uh, made for a great athletic year, and I think one that we all, as Media members and certainly you guys as fans were happy to have
1: coming off the pandemic. I thought you were about to drop like a hot bar. Like, you may not like the list, but you better respect the list. I was <laughs> I was waiting for that because like, this is a good list. I'm, can you think of many others that are actually outside of like individual plays? I can't. I, I racked my brain and, and these are them. But once again,
0: only at Florida, the everything school can you put together a list like this Mm -hmm. each and every year? I mean, we we were able to pull from all these different sports and didn't even hit every single one of them. Yeah. We could have gone a little bit farther. So shouts out to all those teams, coaches and players, and certainly the fans that followed throughout the year. Uh, It was fun covering all of that at Gatorsports.com and uh, Graham. I appreciate the help on this list as well as we were brainstorming and trying to figure out how to rank them. I enjoyed putting it together as I enjoyed putting this podcast together. Uh, Thanks to Julian Humphrey for his time. Hope you guys enjoyed that. We'll be back next week to what else? Talk recruiting and all the visits happening here in Gainesville. For Graham Hall, I'm Zach Alvarez.